0: Hello and welcome to Sharp China. I'm Andrew Sharp and you are listening to a free preview of today's episode. You know, it's now April. He hasn't
1: spoken to Zelensky since January of 2022. Mm -hmm. Um, You get stuff like this. You get all sorts of other stuff. It's impossible to have any sort of make any sort of cogent argument that China is in any way neutral in this conflict now. Right. And, And Ambassador Liu, I think, makes it even harder for anyone who wanted to argue that in good faith
0: to make that argument. And along those lines, there is also this news from Politico this week. The headline, China doesn't want peace in Ukraine, Czech president warns. And I'll read from the story. China cannot be trusted to mediate peace between Russia and Ukraine. Czech president Peter Pavel is warning, telling Politico that Beijing benefits from prolonging the war. Pavel, a former, a former general and senior NATO leader, was unequivocal. When it comes to Ukraine, he argued, China only wants what's best for itself. And for now, that's more war. Quote, I believe that it is in China's interest to prolong the status quo because it can push Russia to a number of concessions. Beijing, he said in an interview last week, can get cheap oil, gas and other resources from Moscow in exchange for its, quote, no limits partnership with the Kremlin. And then finally, quote it is also good for china that the west is probably becoming a little bit weaker by supporting ukraine he added and the reason i mentioned that is because i thought that was a pretty cogent explanation of why i've had trouble believing that china sincerely wants peace in europe as as soon as possible like at least from what i can see there are real strategic benefits to china to keeping the war going and Between the Russia benefits they've seen thus far and depleting US resources, the way they've been able to use US involvement as a tool in their information war around the world and trying to sort of split off the EU countries, like we said earlier, like there are real incentives for them to slow play any resolution. So I, I think some of those should be kept in mind as they go on this charm offensive around the world. I don't, I don't know whether you have any thoughts. I just want no, to No, I agree.
1: I thought, I thought that was a very clarifying interview. I mean, he has a unique perspective having been in, in NATO. Um, it is also, I think, worth noting that um, when you look at a lot of the countries that used to be behind the Iron Curtain, they're the ones that are the most uh, concerned about what the PRC is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, they have a pretty good understanding of how these sort of Marxist-Leninist systems work better than the French or the Germans um, or the British uh, or the Americans. And they have been very worried for a while. I the mean, Czechoslovakia has had an interesting evolution, even though his his predecessor was quite pro-China. A, a lot of voices in parliament, civil society that for, for several years have been pushing back against... a close relationship with the PRC. So um, I think Beijing is not happy that he's now the president. What he's saying in terms of the Ukraine conflict um, certainly, I think, makes sense. The key, though, is China can get all those benefits or potential benefits so long as they don't have a rupture with the EU Mm -hmm. And, and so long as they can keep dangling different things to especially to the French and the Germans. To basically keep them from wanting to be too hawkish on China. And I think that this goes back to the, the start of this podcast or this episode, you know, Ambassador Liu's comments actually hurt the Chinese strategy in that. Oh yeah, because it because it really, and especially the fact that he's the ambassador to France. He did it in France. You know, Macron is the one who was <laughs> just in, after Macron weeks, weeks after Macron's visit, there. right? And, and and you know, and then and then uh, I think it was Bloomberg had a story last week floating this idea that or saying that Macron had tasked his top foreign policy advisor to work with Yi, the the top foreign affairs official in China to work together to figure out some sort of approach to maybe broker peace in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Ambassador Liu just basically, I mean, again, may, maybe, and, you know, we don't know what's going on. Maybe there, maybe this is something going on inside the Chinese system where there are certain people who, who don't want any, you know, they, there's something, something there's disagreement in parts of that bureaucracy and Ambassador Liu's on one side. We, we just don't know. And it's easy to speculate about, but I think the, you know, all we can see is what, you know, what he said and the result. And it's certainly, I think the impact of his words, his comments, um, again, make the sort of make it harder for China to sort of execute this straddle is almost too soft a word, but basically this kind of theater that they're somehow neutral while they're able to reap a whole bunch of benefits.
0: Yeah. It, and it's definitely counterproductive to the PR efforts that we've seen over the last three or four months. Who do you think was more upset about the comments, the PRC leadership or Emmanuel Macron?
1: That's a great question. I I imagine um, probably Macron.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's a really tough look for him. And we said we were going to monitor the progress uh, on last week's episode. I could not have anticipated all of it seeming to blow up within a week of that conversation. Uh, But I'm sure that he'll still try.
1: And it comes as the EU is, you know, working on what they're sort of updating their China strategy. And I mean, it just it just comes at a time when, um, you know, the Chinese really were trying to get some alignment, at least among some of the more powerful countries um, to, again, pursue this, this idea of strategic autonomy, not linking their China policy to the US's China policy, blah, blah, blah. And and this just makes it much harder for those people to say, no, 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 it's all good. They don't really need it. It's all. Yeah.
0: Well, and there are people within France and people within Germany who are pushing for more aggressive decoupling and Mm -hmm. really upset with China's posture over the last five to 10 years and are concerned about Xi. And then you've got, you know, Olaf Scholz is another one who's sort of trying to straddle things on the German side and. And it, this complicates those efforts as well. And it, we'll see. I mean, I I don't think that Germany is going to change any policy based on these comments, but it's just another example of where it seems like China can frequently be its own worst enemy in terms of its reputation around the world.
1: No, I mean, I, you know, I joked years ago in my newsletter when sort of the wolf warrior thing was becoming big and, you know, you had Charlie Jen and it's like, you know, from the perspective of at least from the U.S., you know, just let them talk.
0: Right. They're sort of <laughs> digging their own grave on some level, you know? You know,
1: what, I mean, one of the jokes with Charlie Jen, right, because he spent several years in D.C. at the embassy, was there was a point where he was just like so, what he was saying was just so counterproductive to the PRC's goals that, there, you know, one of the jokes was like, wow, did the CIA turn him when he was in D.C.? Because <laughs> he's basically doing more damage to the PRC's image globally than the U.S. could.
0: Well, um, I, I saw an article where Zhao is uh, painting signs. I'm not sure where he is, but he was painting signs. Checking out, out uh, the border wild.
1: border border checkpoints. Yep. Um
0: and so, you know, and and so again, you know,
1: this also I think in a previous episode we talked about at the end of last year, beginning this year, there was this there's a series of articles in Western media about, you know, the new foreign minister,
0: the Wolf Warrior thing is over, you know, it's a different approach.
1: Nah, no.
0: So yeah, you you mentioned that on Twitter or maybe it was Substack notes. You you were saying it, it's
1: it's part of this whole pushing back and being more assertive and standing up for PRC interests. and, well, and you not, said it's a core been,
0: tenet, of, of, a core Xi tenet of, Xi on, of Xi Jinping
1: thought. Xi thought on diplomacy. Yeah, right. It, it's just like this is this is what this is not some sort of like PR move. This is a fundamental shift in how they approach foreign relations. And you know, I mean, it's rooted in, our, and I think a not unreasonable logic which is look we're a big powerful country now and we're sick of being told what to do we're sick of being scolded by other countries hit hint, america mm-hmm. and so we're going to stand up for our rights and we're going to push back yeah the problem is the way they push back tends to just piss off a lot of people and it may play very well domestically but it, it doesn't necessarily help with their medicals
0: right it's certainly I mean, in this case alienating I you mean- know Again, it's, this is like a, we're relitigating something that happened 30 years ago. As far as the, right. dislo- the dissolution well, of the Soviet I mean, Union,
1: but this is what this is what's worrisome, right? Is again the question of where is this coming from? Because Putin's relitigating a lot of stuff, right? Yep. And I mean, so so it's just like is this is this a sign of that something deeper that's going on inside the PRC system, or is this this guy randomly shooting off his mouth? And right. th- the the answer is. Depending on the answer, you get a very different conclusion. Uh, unfortunately, I I'm I'm not confident that he's just randomly shooting off his mouth.
0: That's really interesting because before coming on to record, my assumption would, was that this was sort of a, a random outlier. Um, but certainly, the Wolf Warrior diplomacy of the past has been pretty consistent with PRC leadership and, and what they've thought, and you you could tell because someone like Xiao who. We, we mention on the podcast frequently, I'll put a, an article in, uh, from the New York Times in the show notes for anybody who's new to this space, but it, it just sort of outlines a bunch of pretty absurd behavior from a diplomat. And he was continually promoted year after year after year. Um, and so it sort of shows where the the leadership stands on this stuff. And so... I'll be very curious to see what happens to Lou uh, in the wake of all this, because I do think that'll be pretty telling. And it, it's notable to me that you're not writing off the possibility that this is consistent with a, a broader sort of shift or strain of thought.
1: Or, or yeah, at least at least discussion, strain of thought, something. I mean, it it really I don't know. It, it it just at this point, nothing should surprise us when it comes to sort of Russian and Russian talking points.
0: All right, and that's the end of the free preview. If you'd like to subscribe and receive full episodes of this show, you can do that in two ways. First, you can go to cynicism.com and sign up for Bill's newsletter, which will also give you access to all of our Sharp China shows. Or if you want to receive all our Sharp China episodes, along with daily analysis of the tech business from Ben Thompson, several other podcasts about technology, and more shows that we'll be adding in the months to come, you can click the link in your show notes and subscribe to Stratechery Plus.